0: Rachel is an elder, but she's she's also what we call the chair of the elder board, which means she works directly with the directional pastor to plan our elder meetings um, and to just do a little, little bit extra of the organizational planning related to what we're doing as elders. And she does a really incredible job at that. And uh, we're really really blessed and thankful to have her, especially in the time period that she's been there where there's been just a lot of, a lot of transition and a lot of change. And she's really been a, a very steady uh, presence. She's been an, an anchor and uh, a, a voice of, of reason and a voice of, um, of steadiness.
1: Don't change things too quickly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Which is, is, is really important. And so You know for myself i i i've known rachel we were in parish together and things like that and a previous you know community era of of christ city and our families know each other and and those types of things but i didn't know a lot about what it was like for you growing up and i knew that that had to influence a lot the type of person that you are uh, today uh, the distinct way that you see the world and you operate and so maybe you could just start there and tell us a little bit about What growing up was like for you?
1: Sure um, so My parents were very young parents. My very first home was uh, at Rolla College in Missouri because my dad was in college um, and so when I was very young, um, I just remember my parents being in school all the time. I mean, it seemed like they were in college. Um, as soon as my dad finished, my mom went to college and, um, we did not have a lot at all because my parents were so young. Um, we, you know, we had, uh, help and assistance. And so, um, I have some memories of that time of just, you know, when, going out to McDonald's, that was, that was the biggest treat was, you know, being able to go out for, for fast food. And, um, and, uh, I have a younger sister. She's three years younger than me. And I remember, uh, you know, being very little and as many people who don't, don't have a lot and they're very, you know, they're young, just starting their, their families and their careers. We moved around a whole lot. And so, you know, first, my first home was married student housing in, you know, on a university, but we also lived in a trailer. We lived in a very small apartment and then a, you know, a little bit bigger apartment and a duplex. And so, um, and then I remember what it was like when my parents bought their first home and, you know, just my dad getting his first um, you know, real job, uh, outside of college. You know, I was three years old, I think. Um, and so, yeah, I remember just what that was like, kind of, uh, the move into being, you know, more middle-class and just, uh, what that was, yeah, what that was like for our family and, and the excitement of just, you know, getting, you know, getting our first microwave. I remember things like that. Um, our first color TV, and not just the tiny little black and white TV. Um, And so that was, you know, a lot of my childhood was just, yeah, not not having a lot, but having a family that was very connected, um, really close to um, my cousins. This was a time when we lived in St. Louis, and both sets of grandparents were there. And so just grew up really close to large extended family and that really especially when i was young um that was that was our life um i grew up in a and i know we'll talk about this more a little bit in a non-christian home Um, my mom is an atheist and grew up in an atheist household my dad um, grew up in a um, religious household but is agnostic and so when he left home he left church because he just um, didn't, couldn't, uh, you know, live the hypocrisy of going to something that he wasn't just sure of and didn't know if he could believe that. And so I grew up not going to church at all. Um, if I had to describe my parents' worldview, probably humanists are the closest things. My, you know, my dad believes in absolute truth. And so they, um, my parents are very well educated. My dad is exceptionally well read. And so, um, you know, they really, our household valued education, critical thinking, they really both taught me critical thinking. My mother's a very empathetic person, and so I know we're going to talk about hospitality today. A lot of the structure of um what i grew up with with hospitality comes from her and you know really both of my extended families but she really brought it into our household and just making it very welcoming really wanting to know how people are doing beyond the surface level things and really caring a lot about that and caring well for people um and so yeah we moved away from st louis when i was just starting middle school did a brief stint in oklahoma which um really gave me a taste of small town life and really opened up my eyes to that and just what it's like to yeah live that lifestyle which was totally different than the suburbs Um, and then we moved here to Memphis when I was in seventh grade and started yeah life in the deep south which was totally different than the other two experiences I had and so um, it took us a while to really find our place here it's hard as a non-Christian family coming into Memphis and Memphis culture in the nineties, there's not a natural fit for, you know, people who don't go to church. Where do you find your community? Where do you find that thing? And so that was really formative in terms of who I am as a person, but I think also hospitality, just, you know, you had to, Kind of fight for your niche and to find your friends and find your people there was nothing that we just fell into easily and so it took a while to form really meaningful connections but when i did that led me into christianity
0: were you also in public school when you when you moved here or i
1: was yes i was a public school kid almost uh, my whole entire life um other than i did uh, three years at montessori school which i cannot recommend highly enough um, and that was wonderful. But outside of that, I've, I've been in yeah. public school all the way.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like f- from your, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the study that they do with a kid and a marshmallow, yes. or they sometimes they think yeah. a cookie. I think the original study might've been a marshmallow a delayed though. Delayed gratification. Yeah. Delayed, study. delayed gratification that you, you tell, you put a kid in a room with a marshmallow on the table and you say, Hey, if, if you, uh, I don't know what the time limit was. Like a couple 15 of minutes. minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah. But if you if you don't eat this marshmallow in this amount of time, we'll come back and we'll give you another marshmallow or more marshmallows or something like that. And they could predict by that study the like successfulness of the child, which yeah. is it's that's pretty messed up because. Um, you know, it's like, well, maybe some interventions were in order or something. But it sounds like your childhood was about that. Like you got to have a sense, of growing up of kind of delayed gratification with your parents in school. So you learned early on kind of how to play the long game. Yes, and see things. And that that's part of what that's part of today. What makes you an elder? You know, somebody who uh, can operate with your family, your big family for children and roy and a a job balancing careers and being an elder is kind of that foundation that it sounds like you grew up and that's a that's a big part of of what set that stage for you it sounds like yeah
1: yeah absolutely and i think my parents their viewpoint on on yeah how 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 to build towards the things you want is a core of who i am and a core of who they are and we are today
0: yeah yeah, that's 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 really beautiful. I wonder what your parents would say if if you said, "Hey, did you know? By the way, you raised Rachel. You were preparing her to be an elder at a Christian church." <laughs> I
1: don't think they would be surprised at all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's still it's still interesting, it you know. They raised oh. me
1: really well to become a Christian, <laughs>
0: <laughs> right? Which is where where we're going next. Right. So let's talk about that. Tell us about how did how did you encounter christianity how did you encounter god and what was it like you know so i titled our interview the hospitable mind uh which you were you probably saw online and it was because as as rachel and i were talking about these things leading up to to this conversation um i just realized there was like a sense of intellectual and emotional hospitality That your parents provided for you and that continues on in your life in in a way that's broader than the idea of what we think about of hospitality being inviting people into your home which you guys do that and you do that well but um, even on on a broader scale the way that you lead is in a way that um, is hospitable and so can you make those connections for us related to how your parents shaped you and how that did prepare you to receive the message of christianity connect with god tell us what that whole experience was like
1: sure all right there's a lot of questions there i'm gonna try to break it break it down so yes so um my parents um, were really honest with me about just where they are were in their faith journey or lack thereof they never tried to hide it or steer clear of it they you know I think all kids kind of come to that question of like, what happens when we die and is there something more? And around, you know, eight years old, seven, eight is when I remember first being really aware of that and asking those questions. And, you know, my parents would have really honest conversations with us where, you know, they would just say, we don't, we don't know. And here's how we grew up and what we believe and, we aren't sure about things and so that's why we don't go to church because we don't want to pretend or something when we don't know or when we don't believe but other people do believe this and that's where they are um, but I think one of the biggest things especially in terms of Christianity my dad's a very critical thinker and so he he taught me the, um, the art of critical thinking just from a very early age it was something that he really wanted to instill in his kids And it was invaluable to my faith journey, as I think it is to anybody's faith journey. But just knowing how to do that helped me out so much when I needed it. Um, And so when we kind of how I became a Christian, then when we moved to Memphis, um, you know, I had had friends who were Christians before and I knew that they went to church and that kind of thing. And so, you know, saw that kind of on the outside looking in. But, you know, when when you're a little kid you just kind of have this concrete idea of like oh, everybody lives like i do and so it's really it's hard and it takes some time to kind of shake that and so it was really middle school when i started meeting friends who are christians and their faith was developed enough that i could tell that something was markedly different about their life than it was about mine and what i was seeing and i had a hunger for that and i mean it kind of i think i was primed for that i had just moved i was looking for community and i was drawn to you know these types of people um several of whom were you know showing great hospitality to me as much as 11 and 12 year olds can Um, one friend in particular her name is kimberly she and i are friends to this day she is a wonderful person i remember just seeing her life and thinking, oh, there's something there. I can't put my finger on it, but it is special. And I, I crave the specialness that her life has. And I didn't know exactly what that was, but, you know, she talked very openly about being a Christian and it was 90s Christian culture. Like, You know, it's always amazing to me how it comes about because, you know, middle school kids, like nobody's great at like, you know, expressing their faith very clearly, you know, sharing it, which just goes to show like how little the words matter, you know, in terms as compared to just living your life authentically, um you know, we had a, we had some conversations. She gave me some tracks, you know, that I ditched. Tracks, cry city. Tracks. Oh man. Um, so I mean, it was, it was certainly imperfect communication that showed something beautiful and profound. And it made me deeply start questioning, does God exist? And if God exists, what does that mean for me? And so as you know I'm a very deliberate person I don't jump really full force into things I kind of plod slowly towards them and so I just started turning slowly towards the side other friends that were Christians and I started paying a lot of attention to that um and you know they would start inviting me to their churches. I would do that. It was very foreign to me. Um, I had really not spent time in church and, you know, church to church, it looks very different. Some of them were Methodist, some of them were Baptist, some of them were non-denominational. So part of it was just, I started feeling like I was learning a foreign language that a lot of other people knew and I didn't. And I was just going to go sit in that space Mimic the people around me and see what happened and see what what I experienced.
0: And middle school is a great time to to do something like that because all middle schoolers are trying to mimic the people around. That's them right. And... That's right. <laughs> yep, I was already doing it in every yeah. other stage <laughs> of right. area of my life, so um,
1: it was it was a good time to kind of step into this. And as I was moving into high school, but the most profound thing was a decision that was totally private, where I you know. I got to a point where I was like, I just don't know. I don't know if God exists. And so I think I have to start talking to God. I have to start praying and see what happens. And I didn't know how, you know, I didn't know how to pray. We hadn't prayed as family. The prayers that I heard at church had a lot of like language and loftiness that didn't feel comfortable. I, I didn't know how to mimic that well and it didn't feel genuine. And so I just started having conversations with God. And that was the profound change for me because God responded. And that was the cornerstone of the start of my faith. When I figured out how to pray and I felt that presence and that change, I was like, oh, aha. And from that, everything else flowed and i decided to you know go with my friends until i found the church that felt the most comfortable for me largely because of the people who were there that i already knew and who felt familiar they had already created a space that was hospitable and even though a lot of the church still felt unfamiliar and i didn't have any idea about different denominations or anything like that there's enough of just a core of people who cared about me who really wanted to engage in my life and he wanted to help bring me in to the house of God. Yeah.
0: That's really beautiful, Rachel. And it's, it, it is really amazing to think about your dad preparing you with these scientific methods yep. and you saying, okay, I see something different in this person. So now I'm going to start applying my scientific log logic to see what it is. Yep. And then you got to the point where, like, you kind of ran out of things to observe. Right. And then you decided to try to just connect with God. And God connected with you. And that's that's a really beautiful uh, picture of something that, you know, so often things are pitted against each other, science and, and faith. But in your story, those things melded together in, a, in such a uh unpretentious middle school yeah. mind but you probably i was just thinking like man i bet the the boys had no idea what to do with somebody <laughs> as intellectual uh, had, as I, you. My
1: middle school years were not my best years. There were no boys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there were a there were few friends. No boys. It was. It was not my. You're prime like, who time. is
0: this? Why is there a 30 year old in our class? <laughs> they did
1: <they're>
0: not care. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's really amazing. And you know what what is present in this story is a lot of relationship. Mm-hmm. And um just kind of an act of faith mm-hmm. and critical thinking. And so, when I think about that, you know, how do you think that influences your leadership today? Um, and and you can touch on on whatever whatever aspects you like, but particularly, you know, uh, your work as an elder, your leadership in your family, yeah. you know those things, the way yeah. that you met God. Yeah. and that that whole process for you, how does that influence uh, the way you lead in yeah. your life?
1: One more thing before that i yeah. I don't know that I could have had the journey I had without having parents that let me know it was totally okay for me to believe something different than they believed yeah. and be so permission giving and um that was a incredible gift,
0: yeah yeah, for sure and and the amount of um honesty, your parents and, and the un, unknown, yeah. I mean, really it's, it's an act of faith, yeah. you know, that your, that your, uh, atheist mother was engaging in. Okay. And, and, and that, that brings me back to that scripture that we've read where Jesus asked the disciples, he said, Hey, who who are people saying that I am? Mm-hmm. And he lets them answer. And then he doesn't cor- correct them or say, look, here's who I really am and start lecturing them say, you better believe this and you better believe it in your hearts of hearts. He asks another question, but who do you say that I am? And, uh, in that way, you know, um, your parents were, were acting like Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, there's asking questions and saying, well, here's what different people say, but who do you, what do you think? Mm-hmm. And that allows you to encounter a living God. So, um, so back to the question, how does, how does that, uh, story of, of your encounter with God and and Jesus and Christianity, how does that affect your leadership today?
1: I think it makes me very aware of anybody who came to Christ or is coming to Christ or just checking out anything or has left Christ just because of a non-traditional story and anybody who doesn't fit just. I think the, the path of like growing up in the church, you know, raised in the church to adulthood, now in the church as a Christian, it, it makes me very aware of anybody who, who deviates from that at all, which most people, I think at some point in their life do. And so it makes me, you know, I don't see those deviations as like, Crises, or you know, off the path, or anything like that. It to me seems like a really natural progression, and so um, yeah, I am. I am very aware of the fact that, um, you know, a lot of faith isn't isn't an anchor. It's not an anchor where you just plant your flag in one place and it's you know you're there. Um, it really is you. Changing and growing as your relationship with God develops, and so that's how I see other people. And so, you know, for me, faith is very relational. The center is this, you know, this relationship uh, with God, with Jesus, uh, with the Holy Spirit. And so, I think I look for that first in other people. Where you know, I don't, I don't really care what church they went to. I don't care at all, like what denomination they grew up as. I look for okay. W- where are people's relationships? How does that, how is that now? Um, where are they struggling with that? How's that communication going? How are they connecting with other people? Um, and I think it also just gives me, I, I look with a pretty broad lens, you know, I, uh, I try to just, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different kind of people at our church and i I want them all there and I want all uh, so even broader and wider and more because my experience coming to faith and my interaction with God just shows we got a lot of room. We got a lot of room for a lot of people and I want them all. So, yeah. Yeah. That's,
0: that's so beautiful. Hey, do you guys see why Rachel is an elder at our church? I mean, it's, it's just, she fits perfectly. This is not the compliment I'm about to give is not one that traditionally would be a, a compliment for uh, that. A woman would like, but you have broad shoulders, <laughs> you 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 can carry a lot. And, um, and we're so fortunate to have somebody with that mindset because okay. and, and those experiences. And I think that really does that. That is, uh, the heart of that, that hospitality that you provide. Um, and that your your leadership and your care of the other elders and of our congregation that that's so important. And you know that was that was my next question, but I think you you that answer really uh, really included that that what does hospitality mean to you? Um, like how do you treat people? Um, and you, you answered that a lot. But if there's if there's anything else you want to add to that question of what does hospitality mean to you?
1: Yeah i think for for me and i really you know i i got this a lot from my parents growing up in the house i did and then my experience with god you know hospitality is really easy to create you create a space in your home where other people feel like they can be at home as well and that just means you know having a space that's imperfect and letting other people see those imperfections be you just you offer them a place to sit you offer them a drink and then you just you invite and you know you just put the put the invitation out there and you kind of put all of your own ego and perfectionism like there's just hospitality doesn't need any of that hospitality really just is somebody's ability to feel like your home is in a is feels you know homey to them as well and then they they are invited to be there
0: and and I think when you have that perspective that you do that that you you're able to give yourself permission to create that space for for other people, okay. and so if 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 anybody wants to learn about hospitality, yes. um you know Rachel is a, is a really good uh, resource. Maybe it looks a little different right now, right? Um, but uh, eventually we'll we'll have more opportunities to have each other in our in our homes again. Um, and, and I,
1: I think there's a lot of ways to create hospitality, even in COVID. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about a challenging time is it makes you get creative and, and bring things in that, um, yeah, that, that work really well, but you might, you might not go to it first.
0: Yeah. And, and that, that's a perfect, um, segue into this next question. Uh, what do you, what do you see as an opportunity for our church right now related to Hospitality or, or anything else. Um, so right now, and then maybe over the next few years, what what does that look like in your mind, those kind of opportunities?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think right now is a liminal time. We're seeing church just as a whole change to respond to this pandemic. It's not going to go away anytime soon. I think we're going to be in this for a while. And so uh, one of the things that I love about Christ City, um, we are intimate enough to, to know each other well and for new people to kind of be brought brought into um, into the circle um, pretty easily. And so uh, I like how nimble we are, how we can try new things. And, um, you know, we've got a lot of creative People at Christ City and people who are just, you know, able to. I I think this is one of the benefits of our youthfulness that, you know, we can creatively problem solve in ways that um, have never been tried before, which I think is how church is going to be successful in this next season. Um, I know it's been a time of transition. I think it's going to continue to be a time of transition, but I kind of think that's one of the. I don't know just just the core things about christ city since we are a young church i see us always in a period of transition i mean when you have a lot of young people you have people getting married and transitioning to having babies and new jobs and moving here and moving away and so i think that's a fundamental part of our congregation is just the willingness to be in a in a state of flow and I know for someone like me that can create a lot of just dissonance. I want to be able to just be like, let's not change, but I am getting better and better, and I think our church is is uniquely well suited for just being okay existing in times of of transition. And I think um, I think you guys and and we all uh, are are set up to to really thrive in that. Um, And I'm excited to see all the all the new ways that we can connect together over this next year, especially. And then I think that we're we like many other churches, this is a time of intense learning right now. Try a lot of new things. And I think that's going to benefit us years in the future. We are going to have so many more tools in our tool belt after COVID. Um, passes, if it passes or after it is, you know, becomes a very manageable part of society, that it's going to make us a lot stronger as a congregation. I see this as a time now where, you know, people are choosing relationships. You can't just see everybody casually anymore. You choose your relationships to really invest in. And it gives me great joy to see people at Christ City choosing those relationships at christ city and really investing well in them yeah
0: thank you uh for that rachel and um yeah i think there i agree with you there's a lot of opportunities there and we are in in a liminal state and that's you know it's not a very common word but just Mm -hmm. a a state of transition you know that that word goes back into the root word uh of a word that literally meant the threshold like the space to enter into uh, a home or something like that which brings us back to hospitality right uh, but yeah we're we're well suited for that and we don't we don't run from it mm-hmm. and I'm grateful for different leaders our current elder board and Robin's leadership and others that that have helped to cultivate and and um, create that that space and so the last question you you've really already uh, expressed some of those things, but just to ask you very specifically, you know, what do you hope for our, our congregation? Um, obviously choosing those relationships and the things, Mm -hmm. and the things that you, that you just talked about, but is there any other, any other way or any other thing you'd like to say about any hopes that you have for, for our, our congregation with your view as an elder?
1: Yeah. I mean, I hope we can, you know, just, thinking about where we are, we're about to celebrate 10 years. I look at how far we've come in the past 10 years, all the different journeys our church has been on to bring us to this point. And so I would hope that we never lose that journey of where we have been and all that it has brought us to, all the wisdom that has come from it, all of the yeah deepening of relationships with people, with God. And then I, I really hope that the next 10 years maybe isn't that (laughs) extreme, maybe can just settle a little bit more. Um, but my, my hope is, I think always the same. It's that, you know, we're, we're here, we're in this church, in this community, in this moment that we invest fully in where we are, I think our church, especially with the eight practices, you know, embrace those, practice those, you know, the ones that you are very good at, help model those, teach those to others, be, you know, uh, help people to see so clearly how to do that. In places you are weak, you know, look at where other people are strong, learn from them. You know, I think those eight practices are core to who we are. I want to see us live them out fully, because I know we're in a church, we're a church in transition, I fully believe we're going to send a lot of people out, we're going to bring a lot of new people in, and those we send out, we are sprinkling the earth with those, and I just want to see that grow more and more, I feel all of those people who have been sent out, people like Drew, and like Robin, and others, and they are still with us, Um, I, you know, you just see Christ City, and the uniqueness of who we are spreading. And I just, I want to see more and more and more of that.
0: Thank you so much, Rachel. Um, Hey, if, uh, you guys could can clap from, from where you are <laughs> out there to, to get to hear from Rachel. I've really enjoyed getting to do Thank this with you. you and getting to share your wisdom and your life with, with our congregation and folks. Hey, tell, you know, there's, there's plenty of people that, you know, virtual church hasn't been their thing. I've talked to some of them on the phone and all that, but share this with them because uh, it's a gift to get to hear uh, these things uh, from from Rachel, uh, our, the chair of our our elder board, and um, and and you'll be around tonight too, right?
1: I don't know if I'm going to make it tonight. I yeah. would like to, but I it's yeah. iffy. Yeah, yeah I, gotcha. <laughs> I might tell, send others in my set, but you will see me at some of the Sunday evening yeah. services. So yeah. I'll gotcha. be there. If there's any questions, if if any of you want to connect with me more, I am available. I uh, connect really well over Zoom or walks in Overton Park or on the back porch. So I would love to get to spend some more FaceTime with uh, any of you guys who want it.
0: Yeah, that's great. Thank you for, for offering that, Rachel. And um, so yeah, uh, as, we, as we close, just want to remind you guys, if you're coming tonight uh, to bring, bring a chair, a cup and your mask and uh we're bug spray. bug spray yeah we're really looking forward to to seeing you guys tonight and getting to take communion and 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 do some things together so um let me send us out with a, a benediction uh, the grace of our lord jesus christ and the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with you all amen
1: amen bye guys bye everybody